This episode is brought to you by Teamy Blends. Teamy Blends is a tea and wellness company with amazing detox loose leaf teas and other incredible products. You guys know I am super picky about the brands I work with, and I am seriously so impressed by Teamy Blends. Their ingredients are all hand-selected and ethically sourced with super high-quality stuff. Like they use kaffir lime that helps detoxify the blood, and they also have stuff like Yerba Mate that boosts energy and improves mental focus to valerian root that reduces anxiety and stress. I am all about high-quality and ethically sourced shit, you guys, and Teamy Blends does that the work. And it's Girl Boss founded too, which you know I'm all about. I personally have been loving their 30-day detox and have been feeling so much less bloated and super, super high energy because of it. So check it out. You can go to teamyblends.com. That's T-E-A-M-I blends um, and use the code L-Y-F-Y-L. That's short for live your fuck yes life for 15% off your purchase. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 40 of the pod. How are you guys doing? Hope you're having an amaze balls week. I cannot believe we are literally, as of today, entering November and out of this Halloween phase. I hope that you, whether you love Halloween, hate Halloween, however you feel about Halloween, I hope you've had a fun week of celebrations or maybe just watching Hocus Pocus and carving pumpkins because that's definitely how I celebrated and maybe I did that in a onesie. Definitely did that in a onesie because that's how I like to live my life. Um, But today's episode is super fucking important. Okay. I say this because I've never talked about this on the podcast before. And I really wanted to have someone with a unique perspective of both sides of the spectrum from a financial and money mindset perspective. Um, And Allie has that. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. And Allie's journey the past four years has been really, really, really interesting. And she now does financial coaching with her husband, Matt, um, with their company, Owen Your Future. But she used to work full-time as an engineer, making six figures, really good money, um, you know, and a super stable, super traditional job. And she has now completely, alongside her husband, quit her job and implemented a bunch of protocols and stuff to be able to really save uh, their money for retirement and be able to do this. At a very, very early age, by the age of 28, um, they both have quit their jobs um, and are now continuing to work um, by building entrepreneurial businesses because they don't want to not work for the rest of their lives. They want to actually do something that feels meaningful to them in that way. Um, But they have set themselves up for success so that they can live on very low means and be able to pursue their passions, which are traveling and um, all sorts of things uh, like that, um, so that they can really, really pursue their their joys and have freedom in their life. And that's what we talk about today. We talk about how to get yourself out of debt, um, how to start saving for retirement now, um, but also just talking about 
the mindset around money and how we can get really, really wrapped up with the negative mindset around that and why it is that we are telling ourselves or living these stories attached to money, whether we're overspending or constantly terrified of spending money. Um, I know that this has been a huge, huge, huge thing for me in my own personal life, my relationship with money. And the past few years has been a very big whirlwind. And I I am sure that you also struggle with this in some capacity. Um, you know, whether it's not ever wanting to look at your bank account um, or constantly living in a state of scarcity where you are terrified of spending money on anything um, because you feel like it's never going to come, whatever it is. I've been there. I know how you feel. And there are tactics and tools that you can do right now to start shifting that for yourself, to start making steps forward towards whatever it is that you need to pay off, whether it's debt or start thinking about retirement now um, and actually shift your mindset around money. And we dive into the, the nitty gritty of that in this episode. I also wanted to share with you guys that Today, if you are listening to the podcast on the date that it releases, November 1st, 2018, um, Allie and Matt are doing a free, completely free webinar, um, which is called Own Your Debt. Um, so all the information for that is in the show notes. Um, so make sure you sign up for it. If it, Even if you're listening to it after the fact, um, you can potentially use this link. I'm not sure if their link will still work, but you can always reach out and see if you can get access to the recording um, because I know that she said she would offer that to you guys. Um, and I really, really, really encourage you guys to show up. Um, whether you can make it live or not, click, yes, I'm going to go to this webinar and just get to know um, some of these tools in a more detailed way beyond what we talk about in the podcast today. Um, but just really, really take note of where you're at because there's never a better time to start making these shifts um, for yourself when you're and your finances than today. So I can't wait for you guys to learn more about Allie and uh, her crazy whirlwind of a journey for the past four years. And uh, without further ado, here we go. Hey, Allie. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I said your name almost like, you know, Prince Ali from (laughs) Aladdin (laughs) to come out like singing Prince Ali. Oh my God. Ridiculous. Totally legit sounded like that. Um, But anyways, I'm so excited you're here. Um, (laughs) You guys, I have been talking with Allie now. I feel like it's been almost a year. Yeah. online. Um, and following her incredible journey, which she's going to dive into because it really has been such a light in my life watching you navigate this year alongside your husband, Matt. Like it's been so cool watching you guys take on this journey and see you guys build businesses and just like all of this crazy stuff that I feel like so many people are like, wait, I want that life. I want to do that. I want to just pack up my shit and just like live it in an RV for however long and also like start my my own business and stop doing nine to fives. And it's like, you've done all these things and it's so freaking cool. And it's just been such a light for me to watch you shine and to watch you navigate those things. So I'm so, so excited to have you on the podcast and share your story. Um, So yeah, I guess to start like, what is like who are you and how did you like how did you even get to be doing what you're doing now like what tell me a little bit about your background and and what led you to kind of have that I know we've talked about this in the past like quarter life crisis I need to stop and do not do what I'm doing anymore and completely change trajectories 
So I feel like I, I've always, as a person, been very susceptible to other people's opinions of me. That's just always been something that has been super important. It's like what my parents, what society, what other people think of me. And I know a lot of other people struggle with that too, or don't Mm -hmm. even know that they struggle with that. And it's just something like unconsciously defining them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I did everything society told me to do. Like I went to college, I got a great job as an engineer and I was like engaged. We were getting, you know, preparing to get married. I was like doing all the things that people expect of you. And I wasn't happy. And I was, I was, it was hard because you're like, okay, this was supposed to be the answer, you know, Mm -hmm. like all of these things are supposed to make me happy or supposed to like, it's what everyone else is doing. So like, what's wrong with me that I can't be happy with what I have, you know, and I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year and I was just like miserable Mm -hmm. in my job. And so I was like, well, something has to change. Like either like I, I mean, I went to therapy obviously because therapy is amazing <laughs> and helped me like sort through a lot of it. Um, but I was just like very feeling very disconnected to my purpose and mm-hmm. feeling like I was just going through these motions to, um, to just please other people. And I never learned what my truth was and what Allie actually wanted for her life. And so I started like peeling all these layers off and it just was like, uncovering of this like wild person that doesn't want to be an engineer Mm -hmm. and that wants to go out and create her own business and take all the risks and um do things that are really uncomfortable um but really fulfilling at the same time and um yeah so that's kind of where we are we quit our jobs my husband was on board as well (laughs) he was (laughs) He, he had a little bit different journey to get to uh, where we are today. But yeah, we, we got on the same page and we saved up, like we continued working even after we knew we wanted to quit just to like save up enough money to where we felt comfortable taking the leap. And yeah, then we took the leap in April of this year. Yeah. And like, okay, can we just rewind for a second? Cause everything you just said, the boxes, the feeling like you are living up to what society expects from you and getting there and realizing like, no, I don't want this. And this is not what the true Allie wants and uncovering all the, like what you said, uncovering all the layers resonates so hard with me because I feel, I feel like we have very similar paths and journeys. And I honestly feel like this is something a lot of people can relate to. So before we even dive into the stuff with you, I'm just curious, why do you think that we have that like why do you think society even expects us to have mm-hmm. these you know these benchmarks right we see all this stuff in movies and in our parents lives and people around us it's like okay yeah you're not gonna be happy unless you find a person to settle down with and get married you're not gonna be happy unless you have a nine-to-five job that pays you you know upwards of sixty thousand dollars a year um you're not gonna be happy unless you I don't know, like all of these, like have a nice car, like all of these benchmarks that it's like the quote unquote American dream, right? Is what we're going after. And yet so many of us don't actually want that, but we think we do. Like, why do you think that's the case? I think a couple of reasons. One, I think 
we as humans have a need to be together and we do need each other. And it's easier for us to be able to fit in a mold and for Mm. us to categorize other people too and see like they are on this path, like they are doing great. And that's easier for our minds to comprehend. It's harder when someone like tries to step out of the community or tries to step out of the, the given path and do their own thing. And a lot of times, like people will try to pull them back down. I mean, I, I came, I had a lot of people in my life who were like, you shouldn't be doing this at all. This is the biggest mistake of your life. A loved one told me that it was hard to watch me self-destruct. And so it was like, (laughs) okay, just because I'm like choosing a different path that is not in the given, like it's, it's a lot of fear that is coming. And it, it, it's, it's coming from a place of like trying to love me, you know, because they are fearful of like stepping away from the path because the path is like safe. And it's what they know too, probably. It's what they know. And it's what other people expect of you. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of like stepping away from the, the path that is, that is hard. And it, it's not easy for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that I, I mean, I'm very blessed that I've had family be really supportive, but I, I know like my husband, when I first started thinking about being an entrepreneur, he's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like he's like, but, and we, you know, it took a while for him to get on board with what I was doing because he it was just so out of the realm. And now he's like living his, about to live his entrepreneurial dreams too. You know, it's, it's so funny how things change like three years down the road, but mm-hmm. it's really, really challenging to get in that mindset when all you've known or all your family has known is this very traditional path. Right. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that. Can, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about, like you said, you were peeling the layers and going through therapy and kind of getting to know what the true Allie wants. So yeah. I, I hear this a lot with a lot of my clients or just people in general being like, how did you even know that this was what you wanted? Because to be honest, if I'm, if I'm completely, completely like very, very vulnerable about this, like I did not know when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I just knew I didn't want what was happening. Like yeah. I didn't know what I wanted or who I was, but I knew that where I was going was not good. And so I had to hit this major like low breaking point in order to just like say, fuck it all and try out all these things and do a lot of, of self-discovery work and a lot of self-care work, I guess, which I had never been like privy to before. I didn't know it existed or how to even navigate that. And I feel like so many people always ask me like, okay, but how did you even start to figure out who you actually are? And like, how is the person that you're sitting in right now, not who you actually are and like all this stuff. So like, what was your experience with that? And, and how do you feel like the alley you were even like a year ago is different than who you are now? And like, what, what was the work you had to do to get to that point now? Yeah. I love how you said like trying on all these different things, because that's really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, trying on all these different hats, like seeing what fits, like seeing, you know, and, and doing the work, it's a lot of work and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, the self-discovery work of like putting off the other people's expectations and trying all these things is exhausting. Um, but it's the the most important work that you could ever do. And so 
yeah, I, I, tr we tried a lot of different things. I mean, we've had, we've started, tried to start like three other businesses, I think we're at. And so, and it, it was a combination of like the, the passion wasn't there, but it was mm -hmm. like, you have to try it to know that the passion isn't there. Yeah. And like the business idea just wasn't really that viable for like our skill set. And so it's like, okay, so, you know, the passion's not there and the skills aren't there, then like, you know, if you have the passion, you can make it that you can figure out the skills. Yeah. Um, but it, and if you have the skills, like, yeah, you know, you can keep doing it, you might not like it, because you don't have the passion for it. But yeah, it's like trying all these different things on and uh, figuring out what feels good and evaluate and being okay with like, quitting and like saying, I don't, this isn't me right now. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly, the hardest part is like, saying, like walking away from things that you know, you thought would be the answer to, um, and that would find be your like source of passion or your, you know, journey. But yeah, it's kind of the journey. What were some of those things for you? So we had a real estate business. Oh, okay. <laughs> I became a realtor. Yeah. <laughs> Super random. Um, but we both like, were not into it at all. And we like struggled every time we had to make phone calls, we would like fight about who had to pick up the phone to make the call. And we like just hated it. Mm. And so we're like, why are we doing this? Like pursuing entrepreneurship, the purpose is to like do something you enjoy doing that like isn't, is, is or that like is better than your nine to five. And mm -hmm. I'm like, if, if this is miserable for us and we like hate this, like let's just stay in our nine to five. Like we're kind of like this, you know, this isn't solving the problem. Um, so that was, that was one of them that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and oh, like, I know some people who love that life, you know, it's, it's yeah. So interesting. Yeah. It's, and, um, in terms of like figuring out that we wanted to quit our jobs, um, I think really just being honest and real by yourself about how you are truly feeling about it. Um, because a lot of people like just complain about their jobs all the time. Like that's, I mean, 90% of conversations at happy hour, you'll hear like people just complaining about their jobs. Um, but is it, is it just like, you're complaining about, uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> no, I think I see what you're going, like talking about, yeah. Like, are you actually genuinely unhappy or is it just complaining for the sake of complaining? Cause that's what everyone else is doing. Exactly. It's complaining because it's like a topic of conversation and you can like connect with someone on another yeah. level because they hate their job too. So you're like, Oh yeah, we both hate our jobs. No, it's so weird. I mean, and that I even find myself doing that sometimes too, even in the entrepreneur world, I'll be like, yeah. Oh my God, I just don't want to do this today. Like I genuinely just want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix I'm watching, you know, which I, I have the leisure of getting to probably do more often than most people because I'm stay at home. <laughs> and sometimes I'll just like have Netflix on in the background when I'm working. Cause I can do that. But like, you know, I, I think we all have something, especially when we're having frustrated days that we can say we don't love. But I think there's a difference between, we don't love this like today in this instance and I'm just tired versus like I am genuinely miserable every single day and feel mm -hmm. super, super, super intentionless and purposeless when I'm going to, to work, which I know so many people feel. Mm -hmm. I think Definitely. it's also interesting that 
I don't know. I feel like most people I know that are entrepreneurs tend to, it tends to be like one person in the family mm-hmm. navigates that path. And then the other person has like a quote unquote stable job, right? Like at a industry. So like, how did that, how do you guys go about deciding to both leaving your jobs at the same time? And like, what, what was the conversation that happened there? Oh yeah. So actually that would have been way smarter if one of us like stayed in a job, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, we like to do things the really fun way. So yeah, we both, so backstory, like financially, we were preparing to reach financial independence. I don't know if you've talked about the fire community on your podcast, but it's like this financial independence, retire early community. Okay. And basically what we were trying to do was save up enough money to retire completely from our jobs. So by saving 70% of our incomes for 10 years, we would have been able to quit our jobs and like solely live off our investments. And so that was our initial strategy with like being able to leave our jobs. Mm -hmm. But as we started saving money and like gaining confidence in these skills of like how we save money and how little we can live off of to feel like great and to like have great lives still, um, we started being like, well, why are we waiting that long when we can, you know, create businesses? Because, you know, when we, if if we quit at 33 or whatever, we aren't going to want to like not work for the rest of our lives. You know, we're going to want to do something that like makes us happy and like, Mm -hmm. you know fulfillment to our lives. So we're like, what if we just took the leap early and trusted that our, our ideas that we would have done after retirement would bring money in the interim. Mm. And so, yeah, that was the idea. And so us both being on the same page, like financially, and then we both wanted to travel too. So that was also like a motivation for both of us leaving versus like one just staying. Um, But I will say like it, it does add stress for, you know, both people, especially Matt and I were both high income earners and we're both like very ambitious, uh, like type A's a little bit. Like uh, we like earning money too. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that. It's hard to say though, because people are like, it's like a taboo subject. Um, But I think like the entrepreneurial up and downs are a lot harder to deal with when you have never dealt with that. Like we've always had every two weeks, you know, yeah. paycheck. Yeah. And so it's definitely like a mindset shift to being like, okay, this, I'm not going to get paid unless I work my ass off and get going with it. So, yeah. First of all, I think that I just need to applaud you because I feel like most people I know, including myself, um, I'm like pointing to myself. You guys can't see it, obviously. Um, but most people I know, um, don't even think about retirement in their twenties. Like this is a conversation that I have had with my genuinely only because my husband is like a stickler about this kind of stuff. And he's like, we need to start saving for retirement. Like let's open up, you know? So like the past couple of years, we've been being mindful of that and putting money away every paycheck into a retirement fund and setting up 401ks, IRAs, all that stuff. Right. But like, 
I've talked to so many of my friends, many of which who are older than me, and they haven't even started thinking about saving for retirement. In fact, I know a lot of people my parents' age who like didn't really save for retirement. And so I just think it's fucking brilliant that you're sitting here and saying that you've been on that path like at such a young age. Like I think that is so, so, so insanely amazing. So can you share a little bit more about FIRE? You said this community and like what got you even started on that in the first path? And like I know this is kind of navigating to where you're at now with what you're offering. So maybe that's a good segue into that too. Totally. So FIRE is financial independence, retire early. And it's basically a community and like a sub like a subset of people who kind of just like don't believe in the American dream that everyone has sold to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a lot of like anti a wave of anti consumerism. Like we um, we don't buy a lot of things like new cars or new, you know, we don't kind of like buy into the fact that you always have to be like upgrading your life, like upgrading your things to upgrade your life. Mm -hmm. We kind of believe that experiences bring happiness and that the best, the money can either buy you things or it can buy you freedom. And Mm -hmm. by choosing to live below your means, you're going to buy your freedom in the future. And so it's a, an, a movement of like really high savings people. Basically we save like anywhere from 40 to 70% of our incomes. And the idea is that by saving that much now, cause we're in our twenties that that money has so much time to grow in compound interest Mm -hmm. and follow, you know, it follows like the, the historical market data, basically like we will be set for the rest of our life based on like historical, historical market data. I mean, you can't predict the future, of course, but you know, as long as you're like flexible with it, that, um, Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So where do you put the money that you're saving? Do you have it invested? Like, do you put it in just like a savings account? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So most of the FIRE community people just put it in low-cost index funds, which are basically uh, just follow the entire market. And they're really low fees. Like, they don't charge a lot. And it basically just, like, follows what the market does. Mm. So it's more, Yeah. So less investing in like real estate and investing in stocks and and mutual funds and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Some do real estate for sure. Um, But yeah, mutual funds tend to be like really high in fees. And so Mm -hmm. that takes away from your winning or takes away from your, um, your earnings and your winnings, like you're winning the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you kind of do in a way, like it's like money that just appears out of thin air. (laughs) Right. It's like magic. Or it feels like it is. Okay. So is obviously this has become like a very big part of your life. So like, what was this like a big factor for what led you to doing what you do now from a, from a work mm-hmm. perspective or like, tell me more about that. Yeah, definitely. So Matt and I like getting on the same page financially kind of like empowered us in all areas of our lives and being able to understand, I mean, okay. So before I met and before Matt and I started like talking about money at all, Like I was very typical millennial. Like I was spending everything I earned and had no idea where my money was going. It was just like, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, 
I wasn't like overdrafting. So I thought that was like, good. You know, I was like, okay, I'm doing good. Like I don't have any, you know, um, crazy bank fees this month. And so, yeah, I was, I was just like so unconscious to my money and being able to understand like how every dollar I spent today affects the future and affects my freedom now. Like I, if Matt and I hadn't gotten on the same page financially, like we wouldn't have been able to leave our jobs and been able to like live this freedom lifestyle. So really like money can buy you so much freedom and it's so important to really just align your spendings to your values. And that's the one thing we learned was like those things that like I was spending everything I earned, but it wasn't making me happier. I was just like, like, it's like the same thing with engineering. I was like doing what everyone told me to do. I was like getting my nails done every week. I was like getting all these expensive hair things. I was like, I was buying all these clothes. I was doing things that I thought I was supposed to be doing as like a successful professional woman. And I was like, but these things don't even make me happy. So why, why do I continue to do these things when, you know, and so by eliminating that, we like optimize our expenses to maximize our happiness. So I love that. And and buy our freedom. So So how long were you guys consciously saving and being mindful about your money before you decided to take the leap and leave? So we were saving, we started saving about 40% of our incomes four and a half years ago. And that was kind of like the beginning of our journey. And then slowly we started like chiseling even more away. And we ended up saving like 70% in the past year. Wow. We left. So yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't like hard though, because also yeah. we were making high salaries too. Yeah. So I'm not saying like everyone can save 70% of their income for, for sure. sure. For sure. But, no, but I think, I mean, I think it's just so important to be aware and to look at whatever your goals are. And I think what you said about aligning it to your values is mm-hmm. so huge because maybe your values are to pack up your life and completely change everything and quit your jobs. But maybe it's really just to be able to go on a really nice trip every year with your family, you know, and that in and of itself is a beautiful thing to save for or be able to retire by your 50 and make sure you can golf every week if that's something that lights you up, right? Like whatever that is. So I think that's huge. Yeah. It's so it's going to be different for everyone. And, but I think most people don't even realize like what their values are or take the time to like, think of how, you know, they, you know, that, that vacation every year might be really important to them, but they don't have the money for it because they're spending, you know, 10 bucks every day at lunch going out to eat. And like, they don't, they can't, register that $10. If literally, if you save that $10 every week or every day, then you would be able to do that vacation that you've always wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. So do you do work with your clients on how to even establish these values in the first place? Like, how does that really, Mm -hmm. how does that work? Yeah. Talk me through your process. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we do a lot of like, uh, habit money, habits and patterns works to determine Mm -hmm. like why, you, cause we have all of these beliefs and these habits around money that either come from our family or come from society or sometimes are self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're unconscious. Like we don't even know we have them. And so we start by doing a lot of work to uncover what those patterns are and determine like how we can pull them out and replant healthy habits that are in alignment with 
your goals and values. And then we do a couple exercises like to help people to see their values by like going, you know, pretending they're 80 years old and looking back on their life, like how would they want their life to look and what would be important to them that stands out, you know, Mm. and that can give you an idea of what your values are and what it's important to you. Mm -hmm. And then aligning those habits and creating healthy habits and patterns that are in alignment with your, your ideal life or your, you know, your vision for your life. That's, that's kind of the beginning. We do all of that even before we ever talk about a budget, because, you know, it's kind it's like anything in life. Like you, if you have all these uh, uncovered traumas and, and, you know, habits and patterns, like giving you a budget is not going to help you because you're not to it. So yeah. Nor will you even know where to budget things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that makes total sense to me. I love that. I think that's so, so, okay. So I want to dive into the van stuff because I feel like I've never met anyone in my life who was just like, I'm going to quit my full-time job with my (laughs) husband and like live in a van. (laughs) And I know you guys are like maybe transitioning out of that right now, but I want to hear a little bit more about like, A, what made you decide to do that in the first place? And B, like, how did that go? And how was, how is that going for you? Like living in a tiny space with your husband and I know a dog occasionally too. (laughs) Like, how has that gone for you? Oh my gosh. So it was simultaneously like the best and hardest thing we've ever done. (laughs) (laughs) So we knew we wanted to travel, but we weren't sure like the means of how we were going to travel. And so we thought like, given where our businesses are, they're pretty new. We thought we should stay in the U.S. and like always be able to be connected to Wi-Fi or be close to be able to come home and, you know, Mm -hmm. should anything happen. So we decided we were going to stay in the U.S. and then we were like looking at RVs and we knew we were going to want to travel pretty quick. And all of the like older RVs that we found that we would have been comfortable purchasing got like eight miles per gallon, Mm. which it was just like, uh, I don't want to spend like a thousand dollars a month on gas, you know, it's like, so we ended up looking into these sprinter vans because they get like 20 to 24 miles to the gallon. And you could also like buy an empty one that had been used by, you know, as a cargo van or used in business Mm -hmm. somehow for relatively inexpensive. And yeah, so we were like, well, that sounds good. And we get to like learn all these new skills of like how to create this van into a livable space. Yeah. (laughs) Into a home. Yeah. So we, we bought the van and we spent six weeks converting it, like working 15 hour days, like YouTubing everything. Cause neither of us had any construction or, you know, anything experience, like building anything. Mm-hmm. We were, we were engineers, like desk warriors, you know, we'd look at the desk, but not like a construction project. And so, yeah, so we, we did it. It was, so hard. I learned so many new things about each other that we didn't know before because you're like put in this time. We had a time pressure situation too, where we were like running out our house Mm. and people were moving in. So we had to finish on time. Yeah. And so it was like pressure on pressure. And so, yeah, it really taught us like how to communicate more effectively with each other for sure. And prepared us to like live in 70 square feet together because when you live in 70 square feet, like you can't ignore the other person if you're fighting. You like have to 
talk it out and yeah. figure it out because like there's no going into the other room and ignoring yeah. the situation you're like confronting it all the time and so yeah it's been like the best thing for us but it's also been really hard because we've had all these hard conversations that we probably wouldn't have had had we stayed in our comfortable lives back in yeah so yeah I'm really thankful that we did it for sure so have you moved out of this phase like indefinitely then like what's what what are you what's going on now yeah so we are going to be my husband's like a huge ski snowboard nerd Mm. and so we're going to be living we're moving back in with his mom like (laughs) boomerang millennials (laughs) because we want to we totally could get our own place but Matt really wants to spend a lot of time with his mom. So we're excited about like really spending more time with her Mm -hmm. um, for probably like three to four months. And then we're going to head over to, so we're going to ski for like that time and work on our businesses. And then we're going to go to Europe for like six to eight months. And then we're going to come back to the States and either build another van or like see where we are and what we want to do at that point. So we're kind of keeping it open, but But that's so cool. Yeah. And I love that you're just kind of going with what feels right Mm -hmm. because I think you can get so bogged down and I know you've been getting a lot of press and like news about like living in this red van, (laughs) you know, which like you could probably be known as like the people living in the red van, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but I think it's great that you're just going with where your gut is pulling you Mm because that's. I think it's a really hard thing to do in life. Yeah, it is. And I think we, so we discovered like living in the van was really stressful trying to grow these businesses. And mm. it was like, okay, the van is amazing. It gives us like so much freedom. But at some point, if it's, if the van is just causing more stress in our lives, like it's not worth it. And yeah, like you said, it's like just, it, it is hard because a lot of people like now know us as the van people, <laughs> the red van people, but it's like, that's another thing, like other people's expectations of you. So yeah, it's totally. like, you know, there's more to us than the van people and the people who are going to hang around uh, and like actually be genuine, you know, friends or family, like they're going to still like us after we get rid of the van. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. So in terms of the van stuff, then like mm-hmm. what, what I, you said it was hard to grow a business. Like what about it? Was it just like the lack of Wi-Fi? Like what about yeah. it made it really challenging on that end? For sure. Okay. So think of like, you don't, when you're living in a van, we don't have a toilet, we don't have a shower mm. and we don't know where we're going to park every night. So like the decision fatigue of like just spending time, like traveling every day and then determining where are we going to park? Like, what are we going to do what you know and a lot of camp like no campsites ever have cell service and so a lot of times we had to stay in towns so that we could get cell service and we could do work and then it's like okay well if this is you know we're we're spending more time in towns than we are like actually out camping and enjoying this van and this life then it's like that's not really like the point yeah it's not the vision you had in mind yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I had never even thought about the the decision fatigue and how that could just I mean, that would just be so so mentally and spiritually draining, I feel like. 
It is <laughs> for sure. And yeah. So that makes so much sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Craziest thing that happened when you were in the van, like craziest experience you had. Like most. Okay. So we had this guy who so we parked the van at this planet fitness outside of this planet fitness and we asked the the guy at the front counter if we could park there overnight and he was like sure you know because we always try to ask places before we just assume we can park overnight mm-hmm. so we, he was like sure just like park it in the back so we moved the van into the back and we like lay down to go to sleep and we've been like laying down for like maybe five minutes and we hear this knock on the door and we're like, okay, so maybe we have to move, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. we've gotten knocked on and they've just been like, you know, you can't park here. You have to move. And so we're like, okay, we have to move. So Matt goes to the front door and he opens the door and the guy is like wanting to fight Matt and assumes that we had stolen. So he had like $300 stolen from his car that was parked next to us. And he had accused us of stealing the money. And we were like, (laughs) we were like, why would we for one steal money? And then to like park right next to you. Yeah. We would leave. Yeah. (laughs) Like we're not idiot criminals. Like you can (laughs) assume we're criminals, but we're not idiot criminals. Like whatever. (laughs) Oh my God. And was it the guy at the front desk or just a random other no, guy? No, it was a random guy. Yeah. So we we were like, we we didn't steal your money. And, um, you know, we how do we prove it to you? And he was like, well, I'm going to ransack your van. And we're like, no, you're not. Like, you're not coming in here. And so we like started cussing or whatever. And then he, he went back to his car. And Matt was just like staying in the front seat of the van, like watching this guy because he was like, is this guy going to slash our tires? Like, is this, you know, this guy seems really unpredictable, like unstable. And so we were like, what is he going to do? And so Matt was just sitting there watching him and the guy came back up and he was like, you look so sketchy here. Just like watching me, like, what are you doing? And then Matt was just like, okay, we're leaving. So we, we left, but that was like the scariest freakiest thing that happened that is really scary did a lot of things like that happen or did you feel like most of it was actually super chill that was the only thing that ever like made us feel unsafe Hmm. everywhere else we felt really safe and even like walmart parking lots we spent a lot of like time there because it's free to camp overnight there uh, with the van and so it's easy to like go there if you're in a city and you need service and so yeah that Everywhere else was really fine. That was the only one. What was your favorite van moment? Ooh, my favorite was probably we got this amazing campsite in the Adirondacks in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. And it was like overlooking this beautiful lake and we could just like back the van right up to it. And it was free too. So we were just like living the dream there for sure. That's awesome. Did they have a shower on site or did you just shower in the lake? Yeah, just in the lake shower <laughs> or not shower. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think that would be my biggest struggle. I used to do camp, like camping trips every summer for like four or five days. And I would, pour, we would be like a canoe camping trip. So we would portage and canoe down the path. And I remember just not showering and not washing at all for four or five days. But like we all didn't wash for four or five yeah. days. So we were just living in stink with each other. It didn't really matter. <laughs> But I feel like doing that perpetually would be really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have I to get think, really creative. 
You do. Wet wipes are like your best friend. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, apple cider vinegar does way better than wet wipes. Ooh. If you just, like, put some on a towel, it like kills the bacteria in your armpits, so it doesn't smell as bad. Fun Pro- facts, you guys. Yeah. If ever you are not washing for like multiple days and or and or you decide you just want to go off deodorant, apple cider vinegar. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Make the transition. I've been yeah. This is such a tangent, but I don't care. Um, I've been thinking about, so I've been, I transitioned to all natural deodorant Mm -hmm. probably a year ago because I'm trying to be really mindful about what I'm putting on my skin, especially with my current health stuff. And I was researching like ways to be able to like suck out the (laughs) and detox your armpits. And apparently if you use clay masks, um, especially like ones that are meant to go on your feet. I know this is really weird, but I just got one from Lush, which is like a foot mask, but mm-hmm. you can put it under your underarms too. So I think I'm going to like have an underarm foot mask party yes. like this weekend. So we'll see how that goes. The only part that would seem hard about that is like letting it dry. You just have to like lay on your bed, I guess. Like, yeah, basically like, like, like a dead dog, yeah. <laughs> like arms and feet up in the sky. <laughs> and or just lay in your bathtub empty <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> oh, that's, you know, that's probably the best good. option in case like some mask falls off or something <laughs> yeah okay okay um I want to dive into the financial aspect of stuff because mm-hmm. I feel like money is like you said a, such a taboo topic and it's something I know that I spent years struggling with um especially just getting into the mindset of it being okay to talk about money and also then yeah. like make a plan once you have talked about money that is actually intentional. Um, so if you could, so if you were to start working with someone today, like mm-hmm. what were, what are like the three things or like your, your first things that you would say, these are the things you need to really start thinking about to help you either get out of debt, which I know a lot of my listeners are struggling with, or, you know, actually put the money that you're making into savings beyond just like what you were doing, you know, which is just basically spending everything you were earning. Yeah. I think, like you said, the mindset of it is so important and it's like the first step to actually achieving your financial goals. And so the first thing I would say is like, taking ownership of your financial situation. So no matter where you are, you know, you could be $200,000 in student loans, like, and it might not have been your fault, right? Like when you, when you sign up at age 18 to sign on to all these student loans, like you don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, how much money you're going to make when you graduate. And you don't know what this means for you in four years when you're done with school, or, you know, you don't know how much this payment is. It's, it's kind of like a predatory system that takes advantage of people like same with car loans, like all of these systems, like take advantage of people. And it's probably not your fault. Like most of the time it's not like, you don't know these things. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so first I would say like, even if it's not your fault, like it is your responsibility because all of this money is tied to you. And so taking ownership of your situation and being honest and real about what your situation is with yourself and a trusted friend, coach, mentor, whatever is like your first step to achieving and to overcoming all of these, these obstacles. And as you're going to, as you start like gaining momentum, it's going to become so much easier. Like really the hardest part 
is the first couple steps, just like in entrepreneurship, just like in working out, just like, you know, the first, the first couple weeks and the first couple months are like always the hardest. Um, but it gets better and it gets easier. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's, that's just being aware, like literally looking at your bank statement. Is that what you mean? Like just diving into your monthly statement and just being like, where am I actually spending money every month? Mm -hmm just becoming conscious and like taking ownership. And I think most of us like don't even know where our money is going. And so, yeah, just being conscious and like track. I mean, obviously I would say track all of your money, but I don't think everyone's always ready for that. And so like the first step I always say is just to try to get like a, a real picture of where you're at and where you're spending your money and then every month so my husband and I have these like weekly and monthly money check-ins that we recommend to our clients and basically like every week you spend 10 minutes and you look through the expenses that you spend that week and you categorize them in a web app like we use personal capital but any you can use anything you can use excel you can just use your bank and you categorize it and then at the end of the month, you sit down and you have a meeting either with your spouse or with yourself where you look back and you say, did these experience, did these purchases and these things bring me joy? Mm-hmm. And if they did, then like, great, you know, that was worth it. And if it wasn't, and if you were like, you know, no, I went and grabbed Taco Bell at work and I felt like crap afterwards. Like, I really wish I hadn't spent that money mm-hmm. because it wasn't worth it. And then you're like, okay, well, next month I'm not going to do that. And next time I have the urge to go do that, I'm going to remember this moment because I I reflected on it and I looked back on it. And so, yeah, that I think is the most powerful thing is like looking back on your expenses rather than like creating, because a lot of people we've seen in our clients, like when we ask them to create a budget, they'll create this like so unrealistic budget that it's impossible for them to follow. Cause one, they'll like forget a bunch of things because mm-hmm. you don't even realize like where your money is going. Mm-hmm. And then two, it will be like, um, like they'll want to spend like a hundred bucks a month on groceries. And you're like, That's no, not going to happen. <laughs> like great. I mean, I would love to like be able to eat healthily and like eat, spend a hundred bucks a month on groceries. But like in, depending on where you live, most likely that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so looking back is really a lot more powerful than looking forward for finances, like in the beginning, for sure. I love that. Okay. So awareness and then Mm -hmm. looking back on your finances Mm -hmm. and then would you recommend the mindset work after that or creating a budget? So, okay. So we do the mindset work first always, and then we start tracking and and going into budgeting and, and that thing. So yeah, the mindset work is definitely first. So what's one question that someone who's really struggling with money could ask themselves to either like journal out to, or, you know, really start to maybe open that door into a, a more positive relationship with money or just an understanding of where they're at with their own finances. Yeah. I think for, for me, it was really understanding or like tuning into my feelings. So whenever Matt and I would start talking about money in the, initially, I always had a lot of anxiety about it. And it was, I realized now it was because every time as a child, I talked about money was, it was because 
my mom and dad were divorced and they were fighting about money and I was Mm -hmm. going to my dad to get money basically. Mm -hmm. And it was always horrible. Like it was always super uncomfortable. And so now I brought that into my marriage. And every time I wanted to talk about money with Matt, I felt like this anxiety. And so the one thing I would say if someone wanted to like improve their relationship with money was like notice those feelings of uncomfort and like notice those and and know that that's okay that you feel that that you know that probably isn't your fault that you feel that way and um thinking back to maybe some experiences that you've had in your past that could be a or could be contributing to that feeling so like one of our clients she always feels like every time money comes to her it gets taken away so she and so she basically, every time she gets money, she spends it right away because she doesn't think it's going to stay. And mm-hmm. so she looks back on her childhood and she remembers like every time she got money as a child, her mom took it away from her. Mm-hmm. And so she, she was like, now that I know that that is where it's coming from, I can be more conscious next time. Like I get money and I want to just go and buy like stupid shit at Target for, you know, just to spend it. Yeah. Like I can be conscious and be like, you know what? no, this is my, my programming, my pre, you know, it, it might be programmed into me, but I can change it. And yeah. I can like decide to do something else because now I'm conscious of it. And that's where that awareness factor comes in almost to even before mm-hmm. you even look at your, your financial stuff online. Like you're like, oh, it's an right. awareness of where all this is deeply rooted in me, which is so awesome. Mm-hmm. That was exactly. a really, really helpful example. So that's awesome. I'm glad. Oh my gosh. You are so, this is so cool. And like, honestly, I'm just so glad we're talking about this because I feel like, again, we don't talk about money ever. And you know, like I know that a lot of you guys listening are 20 somethings or, you know, early 30 somethings and maybe you've, you've not started saving at all. And so I hope that this is giving you some empowering like words to know that you can do this and there's never a bad time to start. Like now is the day. Um, and that, yeah, like talk to Allie some more, reach out to her. Obviously we'll chat more about that in a second. Um, but you guys like, it's so, so, so key to be able to, to, to manage your money. Like you want to live a long, long life that's supported and, um, you have the power of doing that, but only you can do that yourself. Right. So, okay. Before we end today, I have some fun, fast questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. Okay. Um, so I know you already mentioned one of these, but what was the favorite place you visited on your road trip? I loved Acadia national park in Maine. Also. Ooh. Yeah. Is it just like a lot of trees? It's like cliffs. <gasps> yeah. So badass. It's- Did you go cliff jumping? No, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not that brave. <laughs> one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. <laughs> okay. Uh, most embarrassing moment you've ever had in your life? I always go to this one first. When I was like in kindergarten, I remember we were sitting all down at reading time and I let out this huge fart and I, <laughs> I was so embarrassed. This little boy like turned around and looked at me. And he was like, you farted. And I was like, no, that wasn't me. That was like the person behind me. (laughs) I 
feel like we all have moments like that, have had moments like that. I feel like most of mine happened like this year <laughs> with respect yeah. to that. Um, but I actually now own my farts because they're Yeah, now potent. I don't care. Like yeah. now it's like me farting is not like a traumatic experience. But when I was like, I don't remember much from my childhood, but I remember that because I was like so traumatized. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> funny. I love that. Okay, thing you are most looking forward to. Ooh, I am most looking forward to my first winter. So I've grown up in California, Southern California. And then I went to college in Texas and I've never experienced a winter. So we're going oh to goodness. Colorado and I'm like excited. Also a little nervous because I'm like, I love the heat. So. I'm so excited <laughs> for you. I have never not had a winter in my entire yeah. life, so I can't even imagine not knowing that. That's so crazy. I hear the winters in Chicago are brutal. They so can like, be. They can yeah. be. A couple, we had one called Snowpocalypse, that, well, I called it that a few years back, and that was a lot, or the Polar Vortex, that was really <laughs> fun times. Um, I don't know if these are just things I dubbed or found from someone else, but anyways, yeah, it can get cold, but I am also from Canada, so, you know. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> It's, it's not that cold. You just yeah. add a layer, right? I would rather be too cold than too hot because I can always add layers. You can, you know, at a certain point, like you're just naked. You can't remove anymore. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> okay. And last question. What does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life? Living a fuck yes life means letting go of other people's expectations and coming into my own truth and figuring that out and figuring it out kind of messy sometimes and just like owning that love that oh my gosh Allie you're amazing let uh let all of our listeners know how you can how they can connect with you and learn more about you on the web totally thank you so much for having me this was super super fun um my our website is owenyourfuture.com and that's owen like our last name it's a pun that i always have to explain because people are like own your future i'm like no owen your future <laughs> um and then we're on social media owen your future everywhere and yeah that's where we mostly hang out these days cool um, yeah thank you so much for sharing your heart and your light and you guys make sure to reach out to Allie if you have any questions about all the things she talked about she has so many amazing stuff with her husband Matt so thank you so much Allie for coming on you are the absolute best thank you Amanda this was so fun and there you have it Thank you so much, Allie, for coming on the podcast and for everything we talked about in today's episode and for all the webinar info and beyond. Check out today's show notes at www.amandacatherineloy.com. That's Catherine with a K, like kitchen, uh, forward slash podcast, forward slash four zero. You guys, how are we at 40? I don't even know. Um, and for everything else um, that we are constantly talking about and just like all the lowdown and real talk, if you're not already in our Facebook community, make sure you join us. Um, we're at Live Your fuck yes life on facebook you can just search us there or if you go in the show notes it'll give you a direct link to that page and until next week my friends i will see you on the flip side bye bye